This is episode two of the Sovereign Path Podcast. I'm your host, Devin. Asian Man Rising. What is Asian Man Rising? Inspired by the manosphere and the global efforts directed towards redefining, reclaiming, and elevating masculinity and men's self-worth, but tailored specifically for Asian men. Asian men have been emasculated to the point where we're the submissive gay caricature in pop culture, the awkward nerd that doesn't know how to talk to women, frail boys who can't lift more than 10 pounds. Add to this corrosive mix the rise of feminist supremacism and toxic masculinity propaganda. Men have been told countless times in the last century that we are evil, we are trash, and we must be put down for the good of humanity. Asian men used to be warriors, philosophers, artists, explorers, conquerors, and rebels. The goal here with this space is to tailor the values and symbols of masculine principles towards Asian men and men of Asian descent specifically. This is a place for discussion and debate, the sharing of stories and experiences, a place of accountability and integrity, a place wherein men can connect and most importantly, be comfortable in being what and who they are, men. It's time to make Asian men masculine again. Welcome to the Asian Man Rising. We rise together. Those were the words of a new face within our sphere of influence, within this renaissance of men. His name is Yong. He's a Marine. He's a Korean immigrant. He's a great American. And he's a man that I'm proud to call my friend. How are you doing today, Yong? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Devin. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. Um, you know, it, it's really funny because you and I were already following each other. We were already conversing, and we got networked together through KJ Kitely, our mutual friend. And then I saw guys sharing your new profile, and I saw that post, and it caught mine. I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh, man, this is, this is fucking awesome. Because we didn't really have any Asian representation within the Renaissance of men. And I didn't realize it was you. And then I was talking with some guys within our circles. And someone, and it might have been KJ, but someone said, yeah, that's young. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. And I remember I just slid in your deals. I'm like, dude, this is you? It was, it was <laughs> so good. So tell me what inspired you to start this account? Uh, the biggest inspiration really is, you know, like the post stated that it just, there wasn't really a masculine space for Asian men. Um, whenever you see masculine posts, you know, all the aesthetics and all that stuff, it's typically Western centralized. It's always like the Viking warrior or, you know, a Roman soldier or whoever the case might be. And, uh, you know, it definitely felt like we had something to contribute to that space as well. And it was just a matter of, you know, being the one to put it out there. And uh, Will from Rent a Man, you know, he was really the driving factor and motivator behind it. And so, uh, you know, a lot of the credit goes out to him too, as well. Yeah, Will's awesome. He's he's really been rallying everyone together and and really just been a beacon for a lot of men for our sphere, you know, putting the message out there with his own podcast. 
and and yeah, you're right because because I remember he was he was asking one day on one of his podcasts, you know, he was like, "Where's the Japanosphere? Where are the Asian men? Where are the the Africans?" And and not the black men living in America, but the men living in Africa, you know, because the Renaissance of the Renaissance of man, you know, this rising of this comeback of masculinity, of real masculinity, it doesn't just encompass white men, doesn't just encompass black men. This is all men, all men of every race, every culture, because when you go back far enough, we all came from warrior cultures, warriors and strong men who are good at being men. They're the backbone of any tribe, any nation, because they literally wouldn't have survived. Otherwise, it would have been wiped completely out. And there's certainly a massive, rich warrior culture in, in practically every Asian culture that exists. When you look at the samurai, you look at the ninja, you look at the Chinese, Koreans, the Mongols. I mean, everyone talks about Chinggis Khan and the Mongol warriors, their diet. And then, of course, you know, in more modern times, you have men like Bruce Lee. And then you also see more current actors in martial arts movies such as Jet Li, Donnie Yen, who represent that. But those are movies. What we need are men that we can more relate to because with, with Hollywood, there's a certain disconnect from celebrities as far as relating to the common man. And so it's really good to see someone you step up and take on that responsibility yeah no for sure it's uh it's a great honor you know to be the one to really lead that charge um you know we've talked about it before and it was kind of like at the same time it was just like why not me right why not i start the page at least start something to get the spotlight on asian men and uh you're absolutely right with about uh, with the regards to Hollywood, you know, they're so one dimensional when it comes to like portraying anything. And especially when it comes to Asians, man, it's like, like I said, it's like the submissive gay kid or the nerd. And then if it's a Kung Fu master, like that's about it. <laughs> um, and there's like, there's so much more that Asian men can you know contribute mm. both in society and in this sphere as well um you know it's we're fathers we're brothers we're sons we're all these things and uh it's just a matter of getting our people our people being you know men as a whole and then Asian men specifically as well, realizing like, you know, we, we just have to lace up our boots and get to step in. Absolutely. And one of the things, one of the many things I appreciate about you is that you are a legitimate warrior. You served in the Marines. And so you have a certain kind of skin in the game that not every man in this sphere has. And that's not a dig at the other men within our sphere who haven't served in the military. That's absolutely fine. You know, there's men who are in our sphere who haven't served, but they're doing other hard things, such as Arthur Dane. He's a competitive kickboxer, so he's still a badass guy. He's still a hard man. But 
there's something about serving in the military, and especially in a branch like the Marine Corps, that gives you some real hardness. So what inspired you to enlist in the Marine Corps? Tell us a bit about your background. Um, so around junior year of high school, I kind of had come to the conclusion that I wasn't going to go to college because uh, I knew I was just going to waste my time and do all that stuff. And so I figured the military was probably going to be my best course of action as far as uh, giving me something to do, get get me out of the hometown that I grew up in. Um, it was also a way for me to support my family at the time because, you know, being a part of a immigrant family, you know, growing up was a struggle, especially when it came to finances. Um, uh, but the Marine Corps specifically was because my dad was actually a rock Marine. Um, it's funny, he, uh, a couple of weeks before I left for boot camp, he had told me that he was never going to let his sons join the Marine Corps. But I was like, well, here I am, just being the same dumbass like my dad. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's ultimately really why I joined the Marine Corps. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I did. It gave me valuable experiences, some fun and not so fun deployments. Um, but I think the best part about the military, you know, in general is that sense of brotherhood and camaraderie that you, I feel like you really can't get that anywhere else. You can get snippets of it out of like fraternities maybe, or like the scouts or whatever the case might be, but there's something primal with the military because you know that it's so so close to death that I don't know it just it turns men out of boys for sure you're absolutely right as someone who is a soldier and, and did my time in the army that that is so dead on the there's something about suffering through hardship suffering through warfare that bonds men together like glue in ways that I don't think anything else can accurately represent because you it's knowing that when you're in the suck even if it's just a training exercise when you're in the suck you're all that you guys have all you have is each other it's your brother to your left and your brother to your right and when you're in that moment, you're not thinking about your battle buddy's skin color, his race, his background, what country did he come from. All you are thinking about is the mission. We have to accomplish this mission together. We have to be on the same frequency. We have to have our communication tight. We have to be doing our reps and training. And that just bonds us together like glue. And I think I speak for many veterans when I say that some of the best friends I ever made, men that I are still friends of mine to this day and they're in our sphere, are men that I served with back in the military. It's it's just it's amazing. And I think that what we get out of that, like you said, it turns boys into men. That's something that I've noticed, and I'm not the only one who's noticed this, but there's 
initiation rituals missing widespread for boys in Western civilization to become men. That's something that's been lost as we've advanced as a civilization and we've gotten to this point now, this point of comfort where we've nerfed so many edges that boys have a choice where they don't have to really become men. And yes, there's the legal term of what constitutes a man after you hit a certain age. And really all that boils down to is that you just get certain legal privileges after you're old enough, such as you can go and buy tobacco, you can go and buy alcohol, you can drive a car, you're old enough now to pay taxes, you're old enough to suffer adult consequences if you break the law and get caught. But what we're missing is something that transcends government permissions and legal status, and that is earning your manhood, because as is a common as is common wisdom within our sphere, and really you can ask any man who's good at being a man this, men aren't men just by existing. Women are women by just existing, and that's not a dig at women. That's just how it is. Men have to become. Boys have to become men. And for all of the crappy things that we experience within the military, and you know, those are a dime a dozen, one thing it'll certainly do is it will make you a man. It'll definitely make you a man. You will get put through hardship. And, you know, if you if you keep your head about you and you let it harden you, you'll come out a man. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, embracing the suck is definitely a mantra I live by even to this day, you know. Mm-hmm. Just whenever, like anything from, you know, just – driving in absolute crappy Southern California uh, or, you know, just going to work, whatever the case might be, you know, you just, you have to embrace that suck for sure. And, you know, you just got to push past through it. And uh, yeah, man, it's, you're definitely right. There is that initiation missing from society now um you know even you know when boys legally become men um it's it's like we weren't really set up for any kind of success right Mm -hmm. like more than likely nine out of ten times our fathers were at work and not in the picture you know, because they were either working or because they just sucked as men and they weren't physically there or emotionally, spiritually, whatever the case might be, weren't there. And, uh, you know, boys are just kind of left to their own devices or they're raised in a female household now. And, you know, they don't get that guidance. Um, and even, you know, even if they've like gone through sports or the scouts or whatever the case might be, there's, you definitely have a better chance, you know, kind of embracing that masculinity at that point. But even then, you know, just with all the politics that come with it now, you know, it's like, Oh, we can't do this or we have to allow this. And, you know, the participation trophy type mentality that seems to be thriving in communities now it's just, it's ruining us, 
like both boys, men, but like it's ruining women too. It's ruining everybody. And it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does suck. You're you're absolutely right. And the in the insane push to flatten the social hierarchy and make everyone equal, you strip away you strip away winners and losers, which is the it it's that's the system of checks and balances in nature. And and as much as a lot of people in this day and age think that we're not a part of nature, they cannot be more wrong. Even the most bitter, indignant leftist feminist still finds herself viscerally attracted to a masculine man whether she'll admit it or not and this participation trophy error that you mentioned it strips away the value of a hard-earned victory and i find it funny that the people who push for these participation trophies who are trying to flatten the curve between victors and losers, I mean, they always seem to be the people who are always losing. And they always seem to be the ones who have, or they just, they never stepped into the arena of competition. And understand that I'm not picking on people who lose. Every one of us has, has failed in endeavors. Anyone who's given sincere effort understands that the ingredients to victory is usually a heap of losses before you get those victories because that's how we learn. That's how we calibrate our game plans. But there's a difference between those who lose and they don't lose the silver lining of the lesson and they use that as fuel to say, I'm going to do better next time. I'm going to win next time. And then those who never – they they have that loss and they let it define them. And then they just say to themselves, well, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. And then they get bitter. And then they want revenge. The best revenge is success. It's not trying to usurp the winners and drag them down to your level. These people are crabs in a bucket. But they don't get it. They don't understand that no matter what – Nature is going to win because nature is God's system of how this planet runs itself. And we are a part of nature. We were created to be stewards of this earth. We are the apex predator. And even amongst people, there are people at the top by merit of their prowess, by merit of their effort of honing themselves in different areas of mastery. So this this flattening the social curve thing is an exercise in futility. It, it can't sustain itself. And we're seeing it crack apart already, which is, is amazing. It's really, it's an amazing time to be alive, isn't it? It definitely is. Um, I, I feel like, you know, that participation mentality and, you know, just, expecting things to be handed to you you know i think it's really come to show its face its true face especially during this you know last year with the pandemic or whatever you want to call it uh you know you got people who are gladly accepting you know this unemployment benefit you know in some cases making more than they would at an actual job and it's just like, 
okay, like, how are we going to fix this now? It's like, oh, no, we'll just keep helping everybody. It's like, no, it's like, this is just feeding the fire of men don't have to be men anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, I think after this past year, if you still haven't realized what the hell is going on, then you definitely deserve to be left behind. And you can just go ahead and chop off your own nuts because you don't deserve them. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll just hand you the uh, trauma scissors myself. <laughs> I'll do it for free. Pro bono. <laughs> Young circumcision and castration specialty. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. What these last two years, especially 2020 has really highlighted is the difference between those of us who have been putting ourselves through voluntary hardship, the men who have been living on their edge and those who have sunk into the traps of comfort. I mean, it's not a coincidence when you see that mental health issues skyrocketed, divorce rates went up, the people who were not paying attention throughout their whole life, they had a really rude wake-up call. And speaking solely for myself, 2020, 2020 was better for me than the last seven years. And that's saying a lot because these last seven years have been amazing for me. It's been an amazing journey that I've been on, a journey of personal growth. And that seems to be a common theme with the men in our circle, all of us men who are propagating this renaissance, is that we see this year as a blessing because all of the work that we've done, the work on ourselves, the work of shaping the world around us and our image, it held up when the chips were down, when they were, you know, everyone else is afraid. They're afraid to go outside. They're afraid to raw dog the air and take their mask off. You know, they're, they're, they're paying too much attention to the talking heads of mainstream media. But as for us guys, we knew we saved the course. We held our faith. We kept doing the work. We knew that if we ate right, if we slept right, if we trusted in ourselves, if we trusted in our brothers, if we trusted in our wives, you know, the other people within our community, the people that were around us, if we worked together, we would be fine. And thus far, not only have we been fine compared to these, you know, I call them the COVID idiots or, you know, some people call them NPCs or normies. There's a hundred different names for them, but compared to them, we're fucking thriving. And meanwhile, these people are, paralyzed by fear and and really it's it's heartbreaking i i know that it's easy to you know punch down on them but it's really sad because those are our fellow human beings and you know whether they know it or not they're only one hard decision away from taking that first vital step to breaking free from the trap of the beast system and ascending just like we are and i want them to i want them to rise with us now will all of them no unfortunately not but 
the more that men such as you and I and the other men within our realm, and as well as the women, because we're also seeing a renaissance of women rise as well, that's equally beautiful and amazing to behold. The more that we act as force multipliers, the more we're going to shift the paradigm in the favor of objective righteousness, truth, and beauty. And so I'm really glad to see someone stepped up and is now representing Asian Americans. So obviously I'm not of Asian descent myself. I don't have any familiarity with that. What problems do you see plaguing the Asian communities here in the U.S. that are perhaps specific to Asian communities and maybe men such as myself and men from outside of those communities aren't aware of? Um, Man, that's, there's so many things I feel like. Um, Mental health is definitely a big issue. Uh, I think just in general with the Asian community, um, but most specifically for Asian men, because um, at least in East Asians, but I think even, you know, all of Asia, really central, West, South, Southeast Asia, uh, the firstborn son is, is a big role to fill in the Asian community. Um, and what I mean by that is like, uh, there's a term called filial, filial piety or piety. Uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce that one, but piety. But piety. is it okay? Um, but basically, it's you know duty to your family and your parents. And so, me for a majority of my late teens and up to now, you know ever since I've had a job, my paycheck has been going to the family just to su- help support financially. Um, my dad was really shitty as far as when we were growing up and he wasn't really around much and he spent a lot of money. So I kind of had to get thrust into that duty of being the man in the house. And so that's always weighed heavily with myself, at least personally, Um, you know, being 16 years old and when you get your first paycheck, you want to like, I don't know, go take some girl out to go eat at like the Denny's because that's like the fanciest you can afford. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, But no, you know, I'm like basically just throwing my money back into the family and, you know, I feel like growing up like a kid wasn't really a a thing for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know that's the case for a lot of Asians, not just myself, but there's plenty I know personally who are living the exact same way I am. And then, you know, there's obviously the educational stereotypes of, oh, like everybody has to go to college or become a doctor, a lawyer or whatever the case might be. And, you know, they miss out on social life because of that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, while it is a, a noble pursuit to, you know, find a career that's 
I guess you could say helpful. Um, I don't know how to feel about healthcare practitioners at this point in my life, but you know, at one point they were a noble career pursuit. Um, and, you know, being an immigrant, you know, you want to live that American dream. You want to succeed. You want to do better than your parents did. Um, but even that then becomes kind of like a, like an iron fist type of parenting where you now have no choice but to study or you're like going to dishonor your family essentially. And so, you know, depression, anxiety, those are huge things in the Asian community. And I know that's a huge thing for Asian men as well. Um, And I feel like Asian men have kind of gotten the worst of both ends of you're a man, you're not allowed to express any emotions and you just need to figure it out and go along. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, society has now painted us as, you know, these effeminate Mm non-men. And uh, I feel like it's an identity crisis for Asian men, you know? Um, But yeah, I guess that would probably be the, biggest issue facing Asian men right now. Yeah, that, that's a lot. Um, I, I know that I serve with a lot of men who grew up having that mentality pounded in their head of you're the man, suck it up, suck it up, suck it up. You know, your emotions don't matter. Fuck your feelings. You know, um, it's insane. And, you know, uh, the answer is obviously it's not going in the other extreme because one of the things that a lot of feminists like to spout out is, you know, men should be vulnerable for the sake of vulnerability. There's definitely a time and place for men to be vulnerable and how men go about being vulnerable is also different, but clamming up and never talking about your problems with other men and people that care about you is a sure path to destruction and the epidemic. The, the you know, People want to talk about oh, pandemic this and pandemic that. Yeah, the real pandemic is depression. It is people not being able to control their anxiety. It's men getting caught up in this insane social environment of well, if you feel angry, something's wrong with you. If you have any masculine characteristics, you're toxic. Something's wrong with you. But the answer is very obviously not acting effeminate, acting like a girl. And, you know, I serve with men who are homosexual. And I didn't even know that they were homosexual until they told me. Because they acted like men. They were hard men. I didn't agree with their sexual orientation, but they were hard men. They were not guys that you pushed around. They were tough. They were resilient. They were physically fit dudes. Meanwhile, I see a lot. I I go here to Oklahoma State University. I'm a, a senior now. And I see a lot of young men, you know, they're in that typical college age between 18 to 23. And... So, some are gay, right? And then some are not. Some are straight. And 
sometimes they have girlfriends, and sometimes their girlfriends are even these cute, attractive girls. But the these men, they're not really men. They're men children. They're very soft. They're mm-hmm. very soft, and I don't just mean physically soft. I mean they're they're effeminate. They're pushovers. They're harmless. They're not dangerous. They're not formidable. And I think that something that all men can benefit from, regardless of their background, is becoming harder to kill. Putting ourselves through voluntary hardships, especially through physical activities. And there's a plethora of physical activities that we can indulge ourselves in. Weightlifting, you know, powerlifting, bodybuilding, CrossFit, martial arts, hiking, rock climbing, surfing, swimming. There's a multitude of ways for us men to channel that anger, channel our anxiety, alleviate depression. And so, you know, as for yourself, I know you're a fit, active guy. What are ways that you alleviate your depression, alleviate your anxiety, and channel your anger and your energy as far as physical activities go? What do you like to do? Uh, Honestly... It's anything from weightlifting or hiking, swimming. Um, right now, uh, I know you know, but for those listening, I'm on a road trip right now, traveling up and down the the West Coast. Uh, currently, I'm in Washington, and I've literally been hiking probably 10 plus miles every day for the last seven days uh, up mountains, you know, because that's all there is here on the West Coast is mountains. Um, but I mean, just being able to be outside and just be in awe of nature, you know, all your problems seem to literally melt away. Like you don't think about anything else. You know, you just kind of look at the mountains, the river, lake, whatever you're looking at. And you just, you know, damn, that's a beautiful sight. (laughs) (laughs) There's... Yeah. And yeah, there's actually this, uh, 80 year old couple that was on this, uh, hike over at Multnomah Falls in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like taking a picture and I was like, it's beautiful, isn't it? I was like, sir, I can't even comprehend how beautiful this looks right now. And he's like, and he was like, I've done this hike, like, more than 50 times in the last like three decades wow. like holy shit <laughs> and it was like it was like i like you know glossed him up a little bit i was like well you don't even look a day over 20 and uh yeah he was like son i'm 80 years old i was like damn i was like you are 80 and you are going up this mountain like a spring chicken you know like I'm trying to be like you, uh, but you know, it's like if this 80 year old man and his wife can do it, everybody else can do it. And I know everybody doesn't live in the mountains or whatever the case might be, but you know, just standing outside, look out your front yard or your backyard or whatever, and just stare off into the distance for like five minutes. And I guarantee you, you will feel much better do a bare feet too, you know? Absolutely. Yes. Grounding is 
vital. Shout out to Rob from the Grounded Athlete. Grounding is is absolutely vital. And there's nature is medicine. I, I don't care what anyone says. Anyone who doesn't understand that nature is medicine is someone who has never left the confines of the city or just society at large and gotten out into the wilderness and just sat there, like you said, and just was present for everything there. The even even in my neighborhood, I live in this nice, quiet little neighborhood right outside of campus, and I live in Stillwater. Stillwater is a relatively quiet town, about 30,000 people. Just going outside and sitting in my lawn with my bare feet planted in the grass and listening to the Cardinals and the Blue Jays and the other birds sing and listening to the trill of the insects – just that alone benefits me in ways that I can't really put into words. It's something very primal. But then when you actually step out of the city limits and you go somewhere with real scope, like where you're at right now or uh, the last time I went somewhere that was truly spectacular, last March I got the privilege of going to the Grand Canyon, which I had never been there before. And I was looking at it. It's so damn big that it didn't look real. And that's not what I was expecting. I absolutely expected to have my mind blown, have my breath taken away, which I did. In fact, I remember when I was going coming to the trees and I stared at it I, for 10 fucking minutes. I was rendered mute. I couldn't, I couldn't say anything. I was just, my brain couldn't process it and, and that's why I actually think that it looked fake to me that was the first thing it, it, it was absurd but my brain was like is this fucking real this looks like like a green screen you know the guy oh it's a simulation it, what I think it was was that I had never looked at something that enormous before and so my brain was literally having trouble processing it but I I could Feel the energy of that place and then later on in the week I ended up visiting Zion National Park in Utah which is also an incredible place with these enormous mountains and these deep gorges and these beautiful clean cold rivers and once again I was just absolutely astounded at the scope of all of this and, and there's this again there's this energy this very cleansing energy in these places in nature and you know speaking for myself they detox me from the very different energy of living within civilization even in a small town like this i feel like because when you're living in a normal society you're, you're all very close together and in cities it's even crazier you're, you're literally living on top of each other you know people that live in these apartments and they work in these buildings they're all just on top of each other and when you're living in some giant metropolis like New York City, like Houston or Chicago, you're really crammed together. It's very claustrophobic, and I understand why people can be assholes just because of the stress of having that many people compacted together. And I think it's vital for people to set time aside as many times throughout the year as possible to get the hell out of that rat race and get into nature. You know, I think that the medicine we get from planting our feet in the earth, planting our feet in the water, breathing in the fresh air and forest bathing and, you know, stripping off our shirts and just letting that 
delicious sunlight soak into our skin. There is no pharmaceutical drug that some, you know, some doctor in a lab coat can hand you that can ever replicate that, could ever do as much good for you as that can. For sure. Um, it's funny what you said about the Grand Canyon, because I was, I, my reaction was exactly the same. I was like, this is not <laughs> fucking real. Um, I had that reaction today, too, uh, at Mount Rainier. Mm-hmm. And I was just staring at that giant mountain. And I was just like, this isn't real. Like, this can't be real. How does something that magnificent exist on the same plane as us, you know? And, um, but, you know, yeah, about the cities too, you know, it's funny enough. As soon as I leave the mountain and I hit the freeway to get into the city to check into this hotel my mood immediately just shifts and i was just like irritated like there's shitty drivers everywhere people don't know how to fucking like turn their signals on and i was like irritated instantly i was just like and i think over the last couple of years you know um i've always kind of believed that there's definitely some frequency changes from the city to the countryside, you know? And uh, yeah, I, I think that's literally why people in the cities are just more tended or more leaning towards being assholes. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to New York city, but New York no. city, I think the <laughs> prime example of that, you step out into the streets and it's just, fuck you, fuck him, like, fuck everybody. <laughs> but then you go over to Central Park and you got, like, these weird hippies, like, singing to themselves and, like, dancing. And it's just like, this is not the same city. Like, right. like It's crazy what nature can do, even within small confines like that. Right. Um, and it just really goes to show, you know, just – get outside. That's like all you really need to do. You don't need to like do some crazy like CrossFit workout or like swim five miles because like, oh, I need all the endorphins. It's like, no, you can literally just step outside, soak up the sun, lay in some grass, close your eyes, listen to the birds for like five minutes and you will instantly feel better. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I've never been to New York City. I was stationed at Fort Drum in upstate New York for the last three years of my Army career. And New York City was like a five-hour train ride away. But I just had this feeling where I, I just didn't want to go. And, and there's there are certain things in New York City that I would love to see, such as the Smithsonian Museum. But I just didn't want to deal with the people. And I say this because I... I had been to Chicago once, went and saw the aquarium, which was great. But the rest of Chicago, I really didn't want anything to do with. I just, I spent the day there and that was as much as I could take. And then I, I've been to Houston several times being from Texas. And every time I would drive through Houston and also every time I drive through Dallas, it makes me homicidal because of the way that people drive. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be in the fast lane on the highway going 85 miles an hour in a 65 mile an hour lane. So I'm already going 20 over. I am breaking the law hard, hard enough that if a cop wanted to pull me over, I couldn't argue against them. And I'm still having like dudes ride my ass where it's like, 
I'm already breaking the law, dude. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, there, there is something about that energy. It's very frantic. And um, I think, I mean, you know, going into the conspiracy side of things, the 5G towers, I think there is a lot of electromagnetic interference and it does disrupt our our frequency. I think it disrupts our vibration. There's, you know, um, I, it seems to me that every major city has a smog problem. Like I, okay. For example, I know Phoenix does. I've seen it with my own eyes. So they're not breathing in the cleanest air. There's a lot of car exhaust there. And so that being compacted together and I, I'm not going to sit here and shit on the concept of a city because cities are thriving, you know, they're thriving hubs of culture. There are a lot of big moves to be made in the city, but I could never live there. And of course, it's easy for me to say this. I'm from a hick town of 1,200 people. I could never live in the city. I'll visit, I'll go, and I'll see all the cool cultural things. I'll go visit friends and family that live there. But for some people, that's amazing. I know Arthur Dane, you know, he loves living in San Francisco for the most part. You know, he's he's meant he's he's meant to live in a city. He could do it. I can't, man. I I need the mountains and the forest like right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, even for me, you know, the closest I can really get to a city is like the suburbs and you know it's like i guess it's like kind of that happy medium really of like oh we're close enough to the city if we need to like you know go do things or whatever but also close enough to the more countryside of the uh, spectrum and it's like well if we need to you know go out on a fishing trip or go camping for the weekend or whatever uh you know that's all possible too um but yeah, it's it's for sure those fucking five G towers, man. I've I've always kind of believed that you know, not the five G tower thing, but um, that people have frequencies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, our brains, our whole neurosystem is just electrical signals. Uh-huh. We are walking electromagnetic emitters. Mm-hmm. You know, so to think that you know, the cell phone you have in your pocket or, you know, all the Bluetooth devices that are around us, Wi-Fi, like to think that these things don't affect us in any way is, is pretty ignorant. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, so I worked in communications. I was a combo guy in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. So interference between radio frequencies was like commonplace knowledge. And even, you know, there's a, a running joke in the military, right? If you like for calm guys, it's, oh, you s- stood around RF too much and now you're only going to have daughters because it just <laughs> kills all your Y chromosomes, apparently. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's like we stand around all this RF energy and it's like, of course, it's going to affect you. That's probably why people out in the country are typically happier. <laughs> Yeah, they, they are. They definitely tend to be more laid back. They typically aren't 
as on edge on edge in the wrong way. You know, they they don't seem they're they're normally not as tightly wound from what I can see. I mean, you get people that are like that in small towns coming from a small town myself and we 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 got people um small towns can and do have their own problems, you know, crystal meth and um uh, a certain amount of ignorance when you're too far away from the city. One one thing that the city is good for, and there's a lot of things that the city is good for. One of the things that I appreciate about cities is you can bet that there's going to be greater diversity of people from different cultures there. And so when you come from a, a, the problem that I've seen a lot of people from my small town have are preconceived notions about what they call foreigners, which is basically anyone who's not white, black, or Mexican, or Native American, right? And so they think, oh, you well, know, they, they have these preconceived stereotypes of immigrants, but a lot of them have never actually met immigrants, or they'll, they have these preconceived notions about people of different faiths. Most people in small towns, if they are religious, they're almost always Christian. They're almost always Christian. So they have these preconceived notions of Muslims, of Jews, of Hindus, of Buddhists. And I always want to ask them, how many Muslims have you actually walked up to and talked to? How many Buddhists have you walked up to and talked to? How many Jews do you personally know? How many Hindus have you been in the same room with and you've had dialogue with? Because I guarantee you they're fucking nothing like what you're saying, which is a bunch of bullshit. You know, it's a bunch of bullshit like... You know, you should probably stop watching the news so much. That, that that's a you know that's a huge trap right there. People watch the news or they watch TV and and they think that it's a suitable substitute for actual experience, which is what you need to have any real skin in the game on a topic if you're going to talk about a skin in the game. So that's one thing I appreciate about the city is that you can get a lot of diversity, and, and that's what I like about the university here. As well as the military, you're going to meet people from pretty much every conceivable background. There were guys I met in the Army that I never fathomed existed before, just the way they acted, their mentality, the background, the things that they went through. And it's just like, okay. And some guys, I mean, to be fair, it's just like, you're fucking weird. And sometimes it was weird in a really bad way, and it got in the way of them being good soldiers. But other times, it's like... Okay, you're fucking weird, but you're a cool guy. You're a good guy, and you get the job done. So, good for you. Right, for sure. And you know, that's it's definitely not to take away anything from the cities. Uh, they are big cultural hubs. Um, so you know, there is the big benefit of being able to mix with other people, um, and you know, just experience things that you wouldn't typically get to experience in a small town. Um, but yeah, that's actually funny. You said about, you know, the foreigners, uh, there was one time it was when I was still active duty and I was, uh, in North Carolina and, uh, it was me and a buddy we were sit sitting at a bar and this older gentleman comes up to us and asks, are you guys military? We're like, yes, we are. I mean, we had the fades. So, and we're not that far from a military base. So, you know, one plus one equals two, right? Yeah. And uh, and then he looks at me and he goes, I just really like it when people come here and can make something of themselves, you know, insinuating that I'm an immigrant. Yeah. 
uh-huh. it's like it's like well yes i am an immigrant but i didn't even tell you i was an immigrant <laughs> you just kind of assumed yeah. it's like damn all right uh that's the kind of place we're in right now huh right but i mean he got us free drinks so i mean i couldn't really be mad uh but yeah no for sure there's I guess there, you know, there is that level of ignorance that comes with the smaller town. And, mm-hmm. you know, what you see on TV for sure is not how it is in real life. Right. People in real life are much more nicer and much more, you know, similar to what you are. They're just trying to make it in this world just like you are, you know. And. uh Yeah, it's the news thrives off of the fear mongering and the separation and, you know, painting extremists on both the left and right. Right. So it's, you know, it goes back to the, you know, just step outside, listen to the birds, talk to your neighbor, you know, and you know, just get back to that, that community and just get back to, you know, being a man for your family or just going back to that circle. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, as, as this Renaissance of men grows in number and as we bring more men and women into the fold. um, And one thing, one of the many things I really enjoy about this is that we have men of different faiths within our sphere I mean, we have guys who are Christians, and they're, and they're different denominations of Christians. They're Catholics, they're Protestants, they're Orthodox Christians. Um, we have men who are Mormons. We also have Muslims. We have guys who are Jewish. We have Norse pagans. And, you know, there's outside of our sphere, there's people in those individual faiths, and they're very... Not, they're not really divisive, but they're very much, I'm sticking to me and my own, and we're wary of outsiders. But what I feel like they're missing... Sorry about that. I'll edit that out. Um, so... They're missing crucial dialogue between each other, honest dialogue, because if they would actually talk with one another the way that we talk with one another, we've come to understand that at the end of the day, we have the same struggles. A lot of our traditional values, which transcend our religious dogma, are actually the same, and that we have the same enemy. We have the same enemy. We're fi- we're we're being we're being assaulted by the same group of people. The same ideology is assaulting us because the core of who we all are is being aligned with our masculinity and with the women who have gravitated towards this movement. They're in line with their femininity, and that is a direct that is a direct affront to both both wings left and right wing both political parties democrats and republicans and to the extremist liberals and the extremist conservatives which really they're cup conservatives because they fail to conserve anything whereas we're actually embodying 
conservative values, you know. But at the same time, we have enough we have enough liberalism in here to be open minded to the reality that you know just because this man is an Orthodox Christian, this man's a Muslim, this man's Jewish, and this man's a Norse pagan, we can still inhabit this world together, live with one another, have respect, more than respect. We can become friends, real friends based on trust and respect and honor. And we can grow together. And the world is big enough for all of us to have our own piece of it where we can raise our children with our own personal values and beliefs and that our kids can still play together. It doesn't have to be this fucking religious crusade. Because like you said, when you spend too much time in front of that fucking TV screen, what you get is divisive propaganda. It's the left versus the right. It's Islam versus Judeo-Christian values. It's these Norse pagan heathens versus Jesus. You know, it's a bunch of bullshit. And I'm not going to fault anyone for standing by their faith, defending their faith, or promoting their faith as the best. I absolutely understand that. I think that my chosen faith is the best for me. That's where God led me to. I respect the fact that for, you know, anyone else of a different faith who is sincere in their faith, and they have a deep and enriching covenant with God, the divine, the creator, whatever you want to call them, that for that individual, that's valid. You know, there's um, one of one of my one of my good friends, Derek Alarano of Train Volition. He DM'd me today off of a story that I posted, and he said that there's a difference between someone who's religious and someone who's an ideologue. and And he was saying this in response to me saying that we need to understand that the value of our own personal covenant covenant with God is not contingent upon whether someone else has that same exact faith, meaning that they adhere to that same exact religion or that same exact denomination. If if we are lashing out at other people for having a different view of God, then how secure are we in our faith? And, and now that can be easily misconstrued by people because there are certainly religions out there that objectively are promoting evil. Satanism is one of them. I don't agree with Satanism satanism at all because that's what's pushing a lot of this evil that we're seeing right now there is an objective right and then there is an objective wrong but as far as the divide we see between the three abrahamic faiths or norse paganism and the abrahamic faiths i'm seeing a lot of objective good come out of those faiths and i'm seeing the best of those people are the best of men and women and they're living clean values. They're promoting traditional gender roles. And people need to understand that at the end of the day, we have the same enemy. And if we don't, if we keep bickering at each other, by the time we're done battling with each other, we're going to be so fucking exhausted that the real enemies that to come in, they're just going to sweep our ass up. But that's what's beautiful about this renaissance of men and women is that we're, we're putting that shit aside and we're coming together and, and when you bring together people of different religions you you also bring together people from different ethnic communities people of different nationalities people of different backgrounds and so you laying the foundation for the renaissance of men for asian men 
man, that's, I hope you understand just how fucking incredible that is. I hope you understand how vital that is because there are certainly after what you've said, there are Asian men who need to hear this message and they don't need to hear it from a man like me who doesn't have any understanding of what it means to be Asian. They need to hear it from you. Yeah, no, for sure. I, uh, I think it's, it becomes more and more apparent how important this small work that I am doing really is. Um, Cause you know, every, every day I'll get a new DM and it's like, Hey man, I'm really glad you're doing this. It'll be an Asian guy, like just in some random city in the U S I got I had guys hit me up from like Indonesia too. I was like, whoa like a whole different country it's like it's like i'm so glad like something like this exists um you know other guys who i guess like we share mutual friends with they hit me up and it's like hey i saw your post through a story share and you know i'm really glad something like this exists and yeah it definitely gives me goosebumps every time i read messages like that or comments and you know it you never really realize how much something was necessary until you actually do it and then start getting the feedback for it. And uh, I definitely, you know, hope that this movement grows both in Asian men rising and, you know, the Renaissance of men, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, whether we like it or not, this great reconciliation is coming and, you know, that switch is going to flip and, you're either going to be on the right side or you're going to fail and probably not make it whatever make it really means. Well, for, for the unfortunate people who don't want to acknowledge what you just said, what we all know is coming, which is like you said, the great reconciliation. So um, for those who are listening, who don't know what we're talking about, the Renaissance of men, that, that term that comes from our good friend, Will Spencer, who runs the Rent of Men podcast, the Rent of Men Instagram page, who if you're not following, go follow him right now. He's incredible, and he is one of the founding fathers who's bringing all of this into fruition. So the Renaissance of Men is the rise of men embracing our God-given duty to be good at being men. The renaissance of women are women waking up and embracing their God-given duty to be good at being women. And it's not as simple as, oh, barefoot and naked in the kitchen trad wife. It's being in tune with their femininity, being nurturing, aligning with their feminine values. And when you have this, when you have this renaissance of men and you have this renaissance of women, what is birthed out of that? is the great reconciliation. And what that means is we as men and women have been pitted against each other by, you know, these hardcore leftists, these hardcore conservatives. And you see feminists tearing down women who are traditionally feminine. You see them tearing down men. I mean, what's the, what's the popular phrase that gets thrown around toxic masculinity. We all know that's bullshit. There is no such thing as toxic masculinity. What you have are toxic people. 
because for every toxic man out there, for every man who is a bad man, he's a piece of shit, there are women out there doing the same thing. The only difference is the fucking hardware between their legs. All right? So the great reconciliation is men and women who have ascended, who have embodied their obligation to be good at being women and good at being men, reconciling our differences. It's forgiving each other for our transgressions against ourselves and against each other. And for the people that don't want to acknowledge this, they don't want to acknowledge this truth. They want to deny it. They want to futilely fight against it. Yeah, you're going to be a fucking loser. And it's not just social castigation. If you cannot forgive the other sex, if you're one of these indignant, bitter feminists who has just determined herself to fucking hate men, guess what? You're a genetic dead end. You're not going to have children. Because no high-value man is going to look at you and think, oh, yeah, that'll make a suitable wife. And for all of these brotard MGTOW guys, all of these guys who want to stay at the red pill and think that the red pill is the end all deal to being a man and they want to get bitter at women and they don't want to forgive whatever woman hurt them, you're not helping. You're not in this movement. We don't, we don't accept you. Because at the end of the day, you're just trying to take revenge on women. You don't actually love women. What you are is a petulant boy who got his heart broken. Maybe you lost your girl to a better man. Or maybe, yeah, maybe you dated a bitch and she broke your heart. But if you don't learn how to forgive women and you don't invest yourself in becoming a high-value man and learning how to attract a woman so that you can actually love her and give her the best of yourself, and in mutual reciprocation, she gives the best of herself to you, you're a genetic dead end. You're not going to pro procreate. You're not, gonna, you're not going to enjoy the spoils of this paradigm shift if you are not going to get on board with us and do the fucking work. Because even though we're playing on easy mode in comparison to everyone else, we're doing a lot of fucking hard work because we have invested ourselves into being the best version of ourselves possible into fighting this war. And this is a war. It may not have broken out into 3D kinetic violence like a civil war, some huge battle that you see in a movie or read about in history books. But it's certainly psychological in the fourth dimension and it's spiritual in the fifth dimension. Look. People want to say, oh, the war is coming, the war is coming. No, look, the fucking war is here right now. It's already here. And we're we're winning. We're going to win. The people that are pushing out a different message in the media, they're pushing these sanctions and these dehumanizing laws and rules because they're fucking desperate. They're desperate because they have awoken a sleeping lion, and that lion are us men and women who have had enough, and we're not backing down. We're not bending over. And so consider what we put out, our content, our words, as a rallying cry to anyone listening to us, listening to the other men in our circle, listening to the women in our circle. You can be a part of this. We want you to be a part of this, but you have to do the work. You can't 
hold on to these preconceived notions. You can't want to have your revenge against men or against women. What you need to do is take revenge against your fucking own weakness by deciding to become better. Because we're going to win. Men and women are going to rise, and they're going to rise from every background. White men are going to rise. Black men are going to rise. Latino men are going to rise. Asian men are going to rise, and we already are. We're, we're winning. We're going to win this. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, what you said about toxic masculinity, you know, it's, masculinity itself is not toxic. Uh, it's these MGTOW, red-pilled, just butthurt billies, you know, <laughs> who perpetuate these traits that are toxic. Right. And, you know, and you're right, the war is already here. This is a completely psychological warfare, spiritual warfare. This is not on the normal 3D plane that people are, you know, oh, get ready for the boog. No, no. <laughs> like, is that going to happen? Maybe, Possibly. you know, on a very small scale, right. local, but globally, you know, in the country, like that war is already here and. If you're still not awake to seeing that yet, then, I mean, I hope you wake up soon because it's, yeah. <laughs> I I don't like to get on a pulpit and, and preach religion too much, but um, anyone who knows me, anyone who's taken a cursory glance at any of my stories, any of my posts, you, you all know that I believe in God. I have a strong covenant with God, and so I firmly believe in a way that I will never be convinced otherwise that God watches everything that we do, every decision that we make, every word that we speak. And so, like Young just said, even though there may not be this, this boogaloo, this giant civil war, this epic physical battle, if you're not pitching in in some way to fight and the psychological war and the spiritual war that we're right in the middle of understand that God, God is seeing that he's seeing everything that we do and he's, and he's seeing everything that we don't do. And I'm not saying this to shame anybody or heap guilt on you. My opinion doesn't fucking matter. God's opinion matters. And when we all stand before him at the end of our lives, after we've, left off this mortal coil he's going to look at us and he's going to ask every one of us he's going to ask me he's going to ask you what did you do what did you do in the moment of truth when you had a choice to use your voice to put your reputation on the line potentially at the castigation of others potentially pissing people off did you champion the truth when the opportunity was presented for you, because I don't care what anyone tells you, this entire life that we live, it's a test. It is one huge fucking test. And anyone who tells you otherwise is either trying to trick you or they are ignorant of that fact. So for some of you who may have never heard this before, or maybe you just need it reinforced, this life is a test. Everything we do is a test. 
and it is it is vital for us to pass as many of these tests as possible and that includes using our voices that's why i go so hard in our story that's in, in my in my content on my stories on my posts when i'm saying hey look there is this objective evil being pushed on us being pushed on men being pushed on women and fucking worst of all it's being pushed on children we need to speak up it's not for social clout it's not so we can fucking high five each other and give ourselves back pat you know pats on the back it's not so that we can be in some masturbatory echo chamber we need to be speaking up because the most vulnerable people in our population, which is children, they're being preyed upon. They're being, you know, they're being fucking brainwashed. It's everywhere. It's in kids' cartoons. It's in popular kids' literature. It's fucking everywhere. It's everywhere. You, we need to be paying attention. And look, this fight, again, whether or not it breaks out into some kind of kinetic skirmish is one thing you can fight by ensuring that your child is not exposed to damaging material damaging content everything that we consume it affects us and maybe some of us have forgotten what it's like to be a young impressionable child with a smooth malleable brain but once a child has been exposed to something that is inappropriate for them because they can't wrap their mind around it such as sexual content or anything else of graphic nature. Any anyone here who has been exposed to shit like that as a child, I know I certainly have. You you don't get to unsee that. You don't get to unsee that. And while there is also damage that can be accrued from a too controlling puritanical type of parenting, there's also a lot of damage when you just take the fucking reins completely off and let your kids do whatever the fuck they want, look at whatever the fuck they want, and you're not paying attention that that's why you get a lot of dysfunctional adults right now because the parents weren't there to pay attention so this war is real this war is very real and we haven't been fighting as hard over these past generations as we should have that's why we have the pandemic of pornography addiction that's why we have the pandemic of drug addiction. And I don't mean just mainlining heroin, snorting coke, and smoking crystal meth. I'm talking about the 60 to 75% of Americans who are doped up on pharmaceuticals, and it's fucking them up badly. The drug pandemic is, is a huge issue. The single motherhood pandemic, where these women are having to raise these boys and girls by themselves and it's easy for them to become indignant at men and think oh i don't need no man no you do and more importantly your child needs a man they need a father figure so that they know what a good man is so that your daughter grows up knowing what a good man is so that she chooses a good partner so that your son knows what a good man is so that he knows what kind of man he needs to become and they need a good mother the daughter needs a good mother so that she knows what to emulate to become a good woman that can get a good man. And the son needs a good mother to understand the traits of a good woman so he knows who to choose and who not to choose when it's time for him to go find a woman. It is important that we pay attention. It is important that we do everything with intentions and not just base everything off of impulsive emotions, impulsive urges.
we need to practice mindfulness. Absolutely. And, you know, just to touch on that single motherhood thing, you know, a little bit, because, you know, that's, that's personal for me too. Um, mm -hmm. It's just having it, that absent father who might have been there physically, but emotionally and all that, you know, he wasn't quite there as well. And eventually he wasn't there physically either. Um, but as a man, as a good man, it should be an honor to step into the role of stepfather also. Um, I know that's a big, what's the word? Um, red flag, I guess you could call it where, oh, she, the mom must be crazy if she can't hold on to a man or whatever. It's like, no, I mean, let's, just slice the cake how we should sometimes the guy sucks you know back to that men who are toxic not toxic masculinity right mm -hmm. um and i mean if you want to be the one to prove to her that you know quote unquote not all men right then be a good fucking man mm -hmm. as simple as that but also as difficult as that right and you need to put in the work for that to work. Absolutely. I um so the the first six years of my life, I my father wasn't there. He he was a product of his really rough environment and it led to him doing a stint in prison. And so for the first six years of my life, I didn't have the strong male role model that I needed. And so it was just it was just me and my mom and my grandma helped out as, as much as she could, but I I didn't have a man step in and play that role until I was six years old and my mom met my stepdad who I just refer to as my dad because he's the man who raised me and you know um, I, I'll, I'll be blunt I can't see myself being a stepfather but any man who has that capacity to take a woman in with her children from another man and not only love her in the way that she needs to be loved by a man but that man can also love those children in the way that they need to be loved by a father. Those men, in my opinion, they're way fucking better than I am. Um, my my dad is my hero because he fucking saved me and he saved my mom and he also gave me a little brother. You know, I was I was an only child as well, and I always wanted a sibling. I always wanted a younger brother, and he gave me that. And so, you know, I will always be thankful for him because there's no fucking telling how I would have ended up and how my mom ended up. But when you look at statistics, it's not too hard to predict how I would have ended up. And even just those first six years of living without a father, it did a fucking number on my social skills, on my mental health, on my self-esteem. I had problems and it took a while to get to unwind myself and overcome those problems but my dad was patient he was strong he helped me you know he helped me unfuck myself he taught me how to be a man by embodying what it means to be a man and you know like I said he's he's just he's fucking amazing and also but at the same time I got to give a shout out to my biological father because he got his shit together 
Um, I was already a young man by the time he did, but what's important is that he got his shit together, and now him and I also have an, an outstanding relationship, and it doesn't conflict. But to touch on what you said about that, yeah, there there is this thing, and it's mostly amongst the red pill community, MGTOW type guys, like, oh, you're you're just, um, you know, you're you're playing another man's game, you know, you're you know, look. This, this great reconciliation that's coming, it's not going to be as cut and dry as some men are going to be with women who have never had another man's kid. And, and then, look, there's nothing wrong with wanting that either. That, that's what I want. But there are high-quality women out there who have kids from previous marriage. And like you said, they were in a circumstance where they chose the wrong guy. Um, other times... She was forced upon by a man, and she had that kid. We, we need to understand that at the end of the day, and, and this is something that everyone can fucking understand because this is one of those things that we're truly equal in. None of us chose to be born. None of us had a fucking say in that. And when you don't choose to be born, you don't choose who your parents are, you don't get to choose your fucking environment. We do get to choose our outcome. We certainly get to choose our outcome. So... There are single mothers out there who aren't crazy bitches, who aren't spreading their legs for every Tom, Dick, and Harry to penetrate, and they have children, and those kids, they need a father figure so that they can become functional adults, so that they can become functional men and women. The Great Reconciliation does not exclude single mothers. It doesn't exclude single dads, too. You don't hear about single dads as often, but that's usually because moms get custody of the kids for, for better or for worse. So the great this great this renaissance of men, this renaissance of women and, and the great reconciliation that's gonna come after that. It, it's not exclusive to those who have kept the same partner with their kids or for those of us who are single and we haven't had kids yet. It also includes those single mothers and those single fathers who are staying on the path, they're staying the course, they're doing the right things, and they're pulling that fucking double duty. I mean, God bless every one of you for doing that. You know, my mom is an incredible woman for having to endure six years of raising me by herself without a man to help out, and thank God the right man came along. You know, other women aren't as lucky. So for some of you men... That's that's in the books for you. And, and you know what? Maybe 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 the the better solution is to have like a mixed family where a single dad and a single mom get together and then there's gonna be men who they don't have kids, but they can marry a woman and, and take on her kids and you know, for women who don't have kids, they can take on another man's children. At the end of the day, if if it's written in your fate to get married to someone and to have that partner you may fall in love with a single mom. You may fall in love with a single father. Look, if that person's got their shit together and they're beautiful, and I, I mean beautiful from the fucking inside out, who's to say that they can't be the greatest partner ever? Absolutely. My uh, actual current girlfriend has a son right now, and uh, I'm I'm very excited to be a part of his life. Um uh, I'll be meeting him for the first time here in a couple of weeks. So, awesome. yeah, that'll be exciting. Um, but, you know, for me, it's 
really just it's now giving me that opportunity, you know, to break the cycle of, you know, what my dad had probably endured when he was a kid. Mm. And, um, you know, just being a better father than he was. And, you know, my dad, you know, he's, he's reconciling some things with himself. Now he's been seeing a therapist and all that kind of stuff, you know? So I, my dad is on the right path and I think he, you know, he wants to fix what he wronged and, you know, I also have to give a shout out to my dad for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very easy for those of us who have been failed by our parents to, to be better at them, to hate them, to, you know, heap all of the blame on them. And, and it's not that they're not responsible for their crappy decisions or crappy habits we're all responsible for everything, right? Like Jocko Willink says, everything is our fault. Everything's our fault. Um, one of one of the greatest decisions I ever made was forgiving my father. And, and, and credit to him, he gave me what I needed to forgive him because, like I said earlier, he got his shit together and he's at this place in his life where he takes full accountability for everything that he's done. And I think that you and I, as sons who came from troubled fathers, it's every bit as important to our fathers that we become better than they were. I think that a father who's properly calibrated, and, and as well as a mother, I believe that they want to see their kids succeed them to be better than they ever did. I know for a fact that when I have sons and daughters, I hope that they do better than I ever do in my life. I want them to succeed me in every possible capacity, not make as many dumb decisions. Or even if they, like me, have to learn certain things the hard way, I hope that I'm able to prepare them better than I was to be prepared. Because um, one thing that a lot of people struggle with when they come from backgrounds of hardship, our generational curses, and somewhere along the line, in one of these generations, a child, a, you know, a boy or a girl or or a young man or woman, they have to take that look at themselves, that objective look at themselves, their parents, their grandparents, their lineage, and they have to say, "This can end with me. This can end now. We can break these curses. We can transcend." the you know the crappy reputation that's been heaped upon my family name and i believe that by doing that we can also redeem our ancestors that way we can by bringing honor to our name and it's so beautiful to see our fathers doing the same thing where they're having to look at the man in the mirror and say okay the way I've been doing things, the way that I did things, it's not right. I can fix this. How do I fix this? Let's take these steps and fix it. And so it really warms my heart to hear that your father's going through the necessary channels and that he's taken the steps to, you know, right his wrongs and, and to become better. You know, it's so easy for people once they hit middle age to just kind of settle for who they are 
whatever, wherever they're at in life, right? It, you know, if especially if their life has been compounded by a series of failures and, you know, maybe their self-esteem's just been knocked in the dirt and they just accept it. It's very easy for people to just settle like that. But for an individual like that to say, no, I can be better. I should be better. And I'm going to do it for me. And I'm going to do it for those I love. That That's just fucking righteous. It's righteous and it sets a good example. And for for the for anyone listening, if, if this is you, or even if it's not you, maybe, maybe you're still caught up in this cycle of not loving yourself properly and not striving. Understand that when you rewrite your own narrative, which is ultimately up to you, and, and that's within all of us to do that, you're having an effect not just on yourself. You're having an effect that reverberates in your immediate community. You're impacting more people than is obvious to you. You're impacting those that are close to you. And even if you think they aren't paying attention, no, let me fucking tell you something. They're paying attention. They are absolutely paying attention. And I can say that. I can say that from my own experiences of unfucking myself, getting my shit together, breaking bad habits that I had. It's had a very positive effect on my mom, on my dad, on my father. It it impacts people. Even if they're not in your physical proximity, maybe you're living far away, but you're in commi- consistent communication so they hear your voice or they see you on social media or maybe you do FaceTime. They are impacted by your growth. If that's not a reason enough, for you to get off your fucking ass and get your shit together. I don't know what the fuck to tell you. I hope that you're already on that path. And if you're not on that path, get the fuck up and get started. Because this growth that we put ourselves through, that men such as Young and I are putting ourselves through, that men such as our fathers are putting ourselves through, that doesn't stop until we stop breathing. Growth never stops. Just like what you were saying about that 80-year-old couple that was, you know, going up that up that hiking trail. I hope that that's my wife and I when we're in our 80s. That's exactly what I want. I want to still be active. I still want to be young at heart. And that can be anybody. That can be anybody. We have to choose to do that. It's as simple and it's as complex as choice. For sure. And, you know, I think it's always important to remember, you know, the past has come and gone. It's it's done. And all you can do is just adjust fires, you know, figure out where you need to go from that point on. Learn from your mistakes. And you're absolutely right. Growth never stops. That is until the day you stop breathing. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, shoot, just look at nature around you, man. Mm -hmm. Trees, plants, flowers, they all just continue to grow. Mm -hmm. They might die, you know, as the seasons change, but they always come back. And, you know, sometimes they come back stronger. And we're just plants with a conscious mind. So do better than plants. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, 
everyone hits a rock. Most people hit a rock bottom. I don't know anyone who hasn't hit a rock bottom in their life. You know, we all have our moments where we're laid low. But just like you said, nature nature is an incredible teacher. Even after a forest has been wiped out by a forest fire, that fire puts nutrients into the soil and you see it grow again. And that's applicable to us. You can be laid low. You can hit rock bottom. You can have your dick knocked in the dirt, be humiliated. But look, if you're still breathing, you still have the opportunity to come back better and stronger than ever. You can achieve redemption. And if anyone tells you otherwise, look, fuck them. Okay, misery loves company. Don't listen. There, there's a difference between someone giving you constructive criticism because they actually care about you and they're, and they're giving you some tough love. But if they're not interspersing that with encouragement towards the positive and they're not telling you things like, hey, like if they're not telling you this because they know that you can be better and they're articulating that they're saying that because you can be better, then those people aren't fucking good for you. They're toxic people. You need to kick them the fuck out of your life. You need to cut them off. Let them go be fucking miserable somewhere else. Like I said, these people are genetic dead ends, and they don't get to be part of the renaissance of men and women. They don't get to be a part of the great reconciliation. We're not, we're not letting people in like that. They want to be a bunch of fucking negative Nancys and drag people down like crabs in a bucket. You know, you can stop anytime you want to. Is it hard? Yes, of course it's hard. But that's what makes these victories so damn sweet. It's because it's hard. You wouldn't appreciate it if it was easy. Hence the whole the problem with the participation medals, right? Like, that that's easy. You didn't do shit to get that, right? These struggles make us better. They make us more beautiful. They make us appreciate life more. Especially because life is so brief and unpredictable. But switching switching off the heavy topic for a moment, tell me about this underwater torpedo league that you're in because that is one of the coolest fucking sports that I've ever seen, and it's pretty new. Yeah, so um, it's a sport we had played in the Marine Corps uh, as a way to kind of build water confidence. Uh, you typically see it in the – recon and marsoc communities mm -hmm. um, because they are you know more of the water-based special operations types um but basically underwater torpedo is a game five on five and the goal is to get this rubber torpedo you know standard torpedo that you see kids play with in the pool into the other team's net which is at the bottom of the deep end of a pool and the catch is the torpedo can never surface out of the water and you can't surface with the torpedo. So the game is entirely played underwater. Um, it's a nice mix of both mental stamina, uh, physical stamina, uh, and then you have the grappling underwater to try and take this torpedo away from the other team. Um, and it's, it's the only three dimensional game out there. Uh, and by that, I mean that the opponent can literally be above you, under you, in front of you, behind you, left to the right of you, like you are surrounded at all angles. And so 
you have to be you know you have to be in the game you have to be aware of where you are in the space um and it really teaches you how to be calm mm -hmm. in the sense of like great danger because i mean if you really think about it if you're deep like 12 13 feet in a pool and you're getting wrapped up mm -hmm. like it's already hard getting wrapped up on land <laughs> but now you can't breathe <laughs> so you better stay calm yeah holy crap o only only marine recon guys come up with something that hardcore that's like rugby wrestling and water polo combined and that for sure um, i'm i'm the right mix of crazy to where that sport really appeals to me because i i just love swimming period um wow that sounds fun man so how long have you been playing have, have you been playing the sport for uh so i mean i played it in the marine corps a little bit and then underwater torpedo league itself has been around for about three years now so I guess anywhere from five to six years I've been within the game. Mm -hmm. But I mean, every day I go back in the pool and it's just, you always learn something new about both yourself, about your teammates, mm -hmm. what you need to work on. And uh, I think, you know, the greatest thing about Underwater Torpedo League and Deep End Fitness, which is more of the actual pool work outside the house, um, deep end fitness, but we do what is called the circle of trust at the beginning and the end of our sessions. And basically at the beginning, it's just a quick introduction, like who you are, your name, um, your background in the water. Like, uh, we have a lot of surfers that come through like big wave surfers and things like that, free divers. Um, and then what your goal for the day is, in the pool so whether that's adding five seconds to your breath hold or you know trying to complete an underwater crossover which is basically just swimming from one side of the pool to the other completely underwater mm -hmm. um and then at the end we do another circle of trust and you do, you basically just go over what your goal was if you accomplished it if you didn't accomplish it um what you need to do better, what you learned. Um, and it's really just building that sense of trust, you know, the circle of trust mm -hmm. with your fellow teammates, um, the athletes that are in the pool with you and yourself. Cause if you don't trust yourself to push past some of those boundaries, then you're never going to, you know, Yeah, that that's a stiff that's a stiff test of of the body and the mind. Absolutely, man, especially being in there. I can't I couldn't imagine being in there with professional surfers and free divers. Holy crap, you like playing against sharks or something, man. Damn. Yeah, um, we yeah, we have yeah, like a yeah, definitely attracting some real studs. For sure, we have like we've even had like some Olympic swimmers wow. come through, and you know. My ass is not an Olympic swimmer. Yeah, you just started playing, and then you look across, and it's like Michael fucking Phelps like on the other. Basically, team. yeah, and they're just like they can glide on their backs 
faster than I can sprint freestyle. And it's just like, <laughs> you're a fucking animal. You're a fish. That's right. what you are. You're a dolphin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that, that's the equivalent of, of going into your first Brazilian jiu-jitsu class without an iota of grappling experience. And then you find out that you're rolling against a world champion black belt. But even though right. even though that elite tier athlete is going to run circles around you and make you look like a fool, just training with them or competing in a you know in a match with them, it it makes you better. You, um, I think there's this. It's called the rub where you you've competed against a, a much better individual or you were on their team with them, and something about that rubs off on you and it makes you better. You know, it's like the competition was so much higher tier. For sure. I, I think a lot of it has to do with, with the fact that, you know, you are probably trying much harder to try and keep up uh-huh. and, you know, you trying harder just ultimately ends up with, with you getting better. Um, yeah, right. Because, so. yeah, you know, when you're playing against some type of pro, it's like, oh, I can't fuck up. I'm not playing against this other guy who's, you know, he's been doing it as long as me and, and we're just as good as each other. Or maybe, um, you know, maybe this guy's brand new and I'm better than him. Yeah. When you, when you get someone else in there, that's just several levels above you. It's just like, oh, fuck. Like, we're about to find out how good I really am or am not. For sure. You know, yeah, um, I, can't, uh, I can't compare that with with swimming, but uh, with martial arts, I can certainly say that. Absolutely. So I know that you do a lot of firearms training. I see it on your Instagram all the time, and I and I know that's definitely a one of the many bonding points between you and KJ. So, um, what is your favorite weapon to shoot? Do you prefer pistols, shotguns, rifles? Like, what is your preference? What does your loadout look like? So I only have an AR-15 and a Glock. Um, so I'm I'm a firm believer in, like, you, you only need a primary and a secondary and just collect and hoard a bunch of ammo. I never understood people who, like, had like 50 different guns in their house. Like, yeah, I got the entire arms room. Yeah, they're all like AR 15s, but they're like just like one's a short barrel, one's a long barrel. It's like, okay, I mean, like, I guess I kind of see the difference or the need for like a shorter barrel versus a longer barrel, you know, like wow. in certain like tactical settings. Yeah, okay, I get that. But, you know, you're not going to carry around 50 guns with you. Right. Like, that's not a thing. Um, but at the same time, like, I know there's a lot of collectors out there and some people don't even shoot guns. They just buy them to hang them up on the wall. Right. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's just my AR 15 and my Glock. Um, which one is my favorite to shoot? I mean, the AR makes me feel better about myself, (laughs) (laughs) but the Glock is what I need to shoot and what I enjoy shooting because it's a reality check. It's like, okay, like you fucking suck and you need to keep practicing. (laughs) 
Yeah, I feel the same way every time I, I practice for my farms. It's just like, I need to be so much better at this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't nearly shoot as much as I should or as my social media might seem to suggest. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I mean, it's therapeutic, too. Sometimes, you know, you just hear the pinging of around hitting a steel target or something and you're just like yes oh yeah i'm in my arm <laughs> yeah. it's you know it goes back to that like primal mentality right of mm. you know men are supposed to be warriors yes and firearms training is the most warrior thing you could do now yeah. um so it's definitely embracing the masculinity aspect hard for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because with, with martial arts like boxing, Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Judo wrestling, um, you can get to a fist fight with somebody, even in a street altercation. And, 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 you know, the other guy could be absolutely trying to kill you. But if you're confident enough, in your martial art or you're a mixed martial artist and you're you're better than that guy to a certain extent you can simply incapacitate him you can just knock him out you can choke him out you maybe just break his arm and cripple him but with firearms that is that's pretty fucking final yeah you put around you put around in somebody there's even if it's in their stomach you know most people just think oh well you know as long as you don't shoot him in the fucking head no you can shoot him in other parts that aren't the head, and that guy is going to die out. He's going to bleed. He's going to bleed out. Firearms are, are a different thing. And it is a shame, like you were saying, that you get people who buy one nice firearm or a couple firearms. They stock up on a fucking arms room because they're gun collectors, but they're not practicing it. You know, that's one thing KJ talks about all the time, do your dry fire practice. And he's right, and I need to definitely do that more. I don't do it as often as I should be, you know. But, but he's right, because um, for those who don't have any experience with real-world violence, which is one thing that I, I am thankful for um, going through the Army, is that they put me through a lot of simulation of real-world violence, and I've seen a little bit of real-world violence on my deployments. You don't, if you haven't been through that, if you haven't experienced that, you don't understand how fucking fast that shit really happens until it fucking happens. And if you're not training, if you're not training your mind and your body and your soul for that, you're going to get fucking caught off guard. And unlike a simulated martial arts competition or even just a sport shooting competition, you're not just going to fucking lose out on getting a medal and getting humiliated. You could fucking die. And you could die in a very painful, frightening manner. Or worse, say you're fending off a man who's trying to kidnap your children or rape your wife, which I know this is some really unsettling shit to talk about, but um, anyone who's found my podcast through my Instagram understands that uh, this isn't a safe space. This is a place where we talk about reality, so get used to it. Understand because look, this shit happens all the fucking time. All right, this shit happens all the time. Women and children are sexually trafficked to be raped and sold as sex slaves. Okay, so 
it's not always just your life on the line. It's, if you're a man, sometimes it's your children's life on the line. Sometimes it's your wife's life on the line. But even if it's not, if you're a single man like me who doesn't have a wife and kids yet, your own life has value, and you need to be willing to defend it because there are men out there who will fucking take it. And sometimes they're 65 pounds heavier than you, and it's muscle mass, and they're a foot taller. Sometimes they have a weapon. Sometimes it's them and three of their fucking buddies, and these are violent, violent men. Men who have been shot, men who have been stabbed, men who have done since in prison. You know, these are these are wolves. And so you need to make yourself a weapon. At the end of the day, a knife, a firearm, a baseball bat, an axe handle, those are tools. You need to be the weapon. So you need to train with it. You need to get that mind-body connection. Look, you'd be surprised that at how fast someone standing 20 feet away from you can sprint at you with a knife and stick you before you draw that fucking pistol out and shoot them. And if you want to see, if you want to see a very real application of what proper weapons training looks like when it fucking matters, go look at what Kyle Rittenhouse did to those three convicts who were trying to kill him. Now I understand there's a lot of hot political controversy over that. But let's put that shit aside for a second and look at the objective reality. That young man trained with that rifle. He trained with it frequently. He's put, he paid his dues on the range. He learned how to shoot. He learned how to have a tight shot group. And when the moment of truth was at hand, he passed the test. And one of those people hit him with a skateboard and knocked him on his fucking ass. Tried to take his rifle from him, and he still killed that guy. He killed three grown men. And look, you can say whatever the fuck you want. You can believe whatever you want to believe. But those fucking three guys he killed, they were fucking scumbags. I, one or two of them were convicted child sex offenders. So I, I don't give a shit. All right? You know, if you want to get fucking mad at that, go fuck yourself. The objective reality is, is that Kyle Rittenhouse defended his life successfully because he trained with the weapon that he had. So if you have firearms, you have an obligation to learn how to use them responsibly because they're more than just a tool for hunting game. They're something that you can and should use to save your life because the criminals that will prey on you, they don't have the same beliefs that you might hold about, oh, I don't need a gun. Well, they might not need a gun either, but they will certainly use a gun, and they'll even take your gun and fucking shoot you with it, okay? That's the grim reality. This is the reality for hundreds of people every day who experience violence with guns in different parts of the world. So train to be a weapon so that your weapons can serve you in the time of need. And again, understand that if you have a wife, if you have a girlfriend, if you have kids, if you have anyone that you love, that cannot defend themselves, you could be their hero. And if they're in their moment of need, you better fucking step up as a grown-ass man. Or even if you're a woman, train with firearms. If you're a woman, train with firearms. Look, I don't care how many fucking Marvel movies you want to watch for Black Widows doing all this cool, spinny, flippy bullshit. That's choreographed fucking movies. If you're some 130-pound girl, I don't care how fucking fit you are, how fast you are, how much BJJ you fucking know, or a little cardio kickboxing class. A man who's 200 pounds of fucking muscle and high-twitch muscle fiber, you're going to have a really 
fucking tough time. He only has to hit you once. He only has to slam you down once. And you're fucking dead or you're incapacitated. And he can do to you whatever he intended to do to you. I don't have to elaborate on that to know, for y'all to understand what the fuck I'm talking about. Train with firearms. Get you a pistol. Go to the fucking range. Pay your dues. Train with that weapon. Do your dry fire drills. You could save your own life. You could save yourself from being another girl who is hashtag me too. Because if, you know, most of us probably know someone who's been raped or molested, whether they're a man or a woman, and we see what it's done to them, how it's destroyed their self-esteem, their perception of self-worth. It takes a lot to come back from that. So understand what's at stake if you're not striving towards being a dangerous individual who is capable of taking someone's life. And, 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 I, and I hope that none of you ever get in that situation where you have to take someone's life, but we can't predict what happens in the future. What we can do is, is we can prepare for it. And so, you know, learn from Yang and I's example. We're out here training with firearms. We're staying fit. We're eating right. We're living how we should live, especially you men. Look, y'all don't get no fucking slack from us. Y'all don't get no fucking slack. You don't get to be fucking fat or weak. You know, you don't get to be a fucking soy boy and be a part of this renaissance of men. You have to be fucking strong. You see us embodying it all the fucking time. So we practice what we preach. Um, as for you, so you train a lot with firearms. And, of course, there's a rich history in multiple Asian cultures of martial arts. And, you know, with Korea, you have Hapkido. You have Taekwondo. And then, of course, in Japan, you have Karate, Judo, Kendo, Budo. China, you have Kung Fu, Wushu, Wing Chun, you know, the list goes on. Do you train in any unarmed martial arts or martial arts with any kind of, of melee weapons? So, not currently, I don't. Uh, growing up, I did do Taekwondo, and uh, a majority of my early teen to late teen years, I did uh, Kendo, um, which is the Japanese samurais uh, training, right, with the bamboo and essentially sparring with that. Um, but I do, you know, definitely need to get back onto the martial arts train for sure. Um, you know, just, just being overseas and so many deployments in the last decade, really, is just never finding a place to train at and uh, and it sounds like excuses at this point and I just need to do the fucking damn thing. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I really, I've always really wanted to get into boxing and BJJ. I think, I feel like those two specifically, you know, it's important to know how to punch, mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, your ground game could be really good, but you take a solid hook to your face you might get stunned for a little bit uh, um, but at the same time if you don't know how to you know maneuver yourself on the ground then you're kind of stuck in a shitty situation at that, that point um, so those are definitely two things I really want to get into and hopefully soon 
Absolutely. There's a popular saying, and I believe it's from one of the Gracies, and it goes something like this. If you punch a black belt once, he becomes a brown belt. If you punch him again, he becomes a purple belt, and, and so on and so forth. And so if you're – you could be a high-level grappler, like a wrestler, a judoka, BJJ black belt. But if you're getting lit up by someone who, who is a competent striker, or even if they're not a competent striker, they just have that god-awful knockout power – they're just a brawler, and you know maybe they're bigger than you, so you're having a really hard time taking that guy down. Maybe his center of gravity is just really good. You're going to be in some fucking trouble. And and then, but also, you know, if you're an outstanding striker, say, you know, you're a great boxer, you're a great kickboxer, and you're fighting a guy, and it turns out that this guy was a high school wrestler. He's he, he practiced judo, or he knows Brazilian jiu-jitsu. If you're not able to knock that guy out as he's coming in on you and he fucking grabs you, look, anyone who's ever grappled against a high-level guy from any of those three grappling arts understands that those dudes have chimpanzee grips. And, I'm, you know, I'm saying this as someone who's a former collegiate judo champion, I'm a blue belt in BJJ, and I've, I've grappled a multitude of different guys. I've grappled guys who competed in the Olympics in Greco-Roman wrestling. I've grappled men who are BJJ black belts, including Helson Gracie, who's actually a coral belt. Man, those high-level grapplers, they're fucking dangerous. But so are those high-level strikers. You know, the guys I train with here at Elite Combat System in Stillwater who are competitive mixed martial artists, they're competitive boxers, those guys hit so fucking fast and so fucking hard, you don't understand. And look, we're, we're just sparring each other. We're playing nice. We're not trying to knock each other out. That's just playing nice. But when it comes to the real thing and someone's trying to knock your fucking head off your shoulders, it pays to know both. Like, like you were saying, it pays to know how to punch as well as having the footwork to maneuver and dodge punches and not get hit. And, and then having a backup plan if someone does close the distance and they grab a hold of you, being able to off those throws or get a throw of your own in, you know, abs it's absolutely crucial to, to know both. Absolutely crucial to know both. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll put some extra pressure on you, man. Get into martial arts, and I, I know that you're, you'll be seeing Arthur um, sometime in this road trip. So, Arthur, if you're listening, I'm sure you'll listen to this. You better take Yong to your Thai boxing gym and get him hooked on Muay Thai because um, – Personally, I think Muay Thai is the greatest striking system in the fucking world. It's definitely the most complete, and you can learn how to throw people in Thai boxing. Also, there's a real danger with punching with closed fists and street fighting because your wrists aren't wrapped, and it's very easy to break your hands. I've actually broken my right hand in high school getting in a street fight. It really fucking sucks. Um, thai boxing will teach you how to use elbows, which, which is what I recommend. If you're going to get to a street altercation, use your elbows. Your elbows aren't going to break. And then also... Clinching people up and using your knees. So if, if you have to enter into a striking situation, your elbows and your knees are going to be your best friend. And then also, like I said, there's a lot of good clinch work where you can wrap somebody up and neutralize them and, and just throw them on their ass. So, yeah, um, dude, definitely definitely add some, some unarmed combatives to your shooting repertoire. And if for anyone listening, if you're considering martial arts, look, go fucking do it. I, I understand martial arts has a very high attrition rate. It sucks when you don't know anything and you're seeing that guy in the boxing ring and he's you know throwing these badass combinations. But look, every, everyone was a beginner at some point, all right? So those guys that you're seeing, these guys who are competing, they're winning championships, they're 
you know, they're earning these these high belt ranks. They pay their fucking dues. Unless there's unless you're at some bullshito gym, if you're at a, a gym full of real fucking martial arts, those guys they just kept showing up. They kept showing up. They kept, you know, putting in sweat equity. Get in there, take your lumps, eat your humble pie, understand that you're gonna suck at first, just like anything else you do in life. Don't let that get to you. Get in there and fucking learn. Become harder to kill. Become more dangerous. Because you owe it to yourself. You owe it to anyone that you care about who depends on you for physical protection, i.e. your girlfriend, fiancé, wife, kids, maybe your parents or grandparents. You know, when they reach that advanced age and, you know, your dad's not going to be able to really scrap anymore, they're going to depend on you. Hell, it might even be your neighbor. It might even be just some random person getting assaulted, getting robbed, get, you know, getting mugged or raped. Don't be found wanting in the moment of truth, okay? Do not be found wanting. Don't be that guy where you froze up because you spent all this time being physically unfit, being physically weak, and being soft. Don't be that guy, all right? Because you never know when you're going to be the only one around that could save that person's life, either from physical death or from being hardcore traumatized from something such as rape or getting beat, all right? Just, again, I hope this never happens for you, to any of you. I hope you never get put in that situation, but I'm not God. I don't dictate what happens in life. You know, I, I might be called up upon to defend someone here in the near future, and, you know, I have, I have to be able to step up and, and save that person's life, especially if it's someone who's close to me that I care about. So for all of you men out there, Become dangerous. For all you women out there, start training with firearms. You could potentially save your own life or your kids. So get into martial arts. Learn how to use knives. Learn how to use firearms. Become a fucking weapon. All right? So Absolutely. You should never be embarrassed of, you know, being a beginner. Um, you should be embarrassed that you don't know something and you're not, you're choosing not to do anything about it. Mm. For sure. What are some things about Korean culture that you really enjoy? What are what that have deep meaning to you? Hmm. Well, I think the biggest thing is I truly believe Koreans have always been and will always be fighters. Um, and I mean that in the literal sense because Korea for a majority, if not its entire existence, it's always been conquered, uh, whether by China or uh, Japan in modern history. And uh, I mean, even arguably maybe even, you know, the West a little bit, uh, depending on how you look at it. But Korea still maintains its national pride. Mm -hmm. um, Koreans are still very proud to be Koreans. Um, you know, even despite, you know, back in World War II when Japan had taken over and Koreans were forced, you know, to try and forget their language and learn Japanese. Um, it's actually kind of strange. My uh, 
grandmother will say certain words in Japanese. <laughs> and I don't think she does it as often now, uh, but I do remember every once in a while she would say something in Japanese, like certain words, and I'd be like, Grandma, what is that? Right? And as a kid, she's like, oh, it's Japanese for this or that. And But, you know, I digress. I think that's the most or that's the thing I'm most proud of Koreans is our willingness to fight uh, you know in all aspects hell yeah man that's fucking righteous um, you know I, I've also got to get a shout uh, give a shout out to Korean cuisine because beef bulgogi is one of the most delicious things ever <laughs> It is, it is so damn good. I just, I love the flavor in Korean food and, and kimchi, of course. I cannot live without kimchi. I eat kimchi on a regular basis because of the probiotics. So, yes, um, yes. that as well. And then, um, the one thing I will criticize about modern, modern Korean culture, obviously, this wasn't a thing back then, but. Fucking K-pop, man! I don't know where the hell that came from. Um, so, um, Will, Will, Will Spencer, myself, uh, Jay Stang, and a few of our other mutuals were at this. We were at this Korean restaurant in Dallas, and the food, the food was is world class there. And, and what's great about this place is it stays open until like I think five a.m. But. At the same time, we're enjoying this mouthwatering cuisine. We're getting bombarded by K-pop music videos, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I had like seen memes about K-pop on you know the internet and social media, but I had never like really seen it. I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> what am I? What am I looking at?" <laughs> yeah, K K-pop man, it's just. I, I feel like it's always kind of been that way or maybe not, mm-hmm. but so for those of you, you know, that don't know, Korean pop culture is very regimented. So like all these like artists are like, they're groomed from a young age to either fit these certain personas and, um, you know, you got your like girl groups and your boy bands and all that, right? And each person has to play this character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes even as far as like they're not allowed to have relationships uh, wow. because it could it could detract from what image they're supposed to portray. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's and I think because of these images that they have to portray, right? It mm-hmm. it just kind of like normalizes certain things, whether it's like this, like quote unquote cutesy feminine guy, or you have this like really hard to approach, like female or whatever in one of the girl groups. Like, yeah, it's. It's really weird. It's a strange thing, honestly. K-pop. Yeah, it sounds, it, it, <laughs> well, it sounds very similar to 
to the U.S. music industry in Hollywood, especially uh, those who become celebrities in either one of those as a child, like you see Disney stars get kind of get mm -hmm. in the same capacity, and they're put under this insane and human duress of having every aspect of their life controlled and managed. They, you know, just the fact that they have handlers, the fact that these, yeah, they, these are human yeah. beings, they have a heart and a mind and a fucking soul, and they have handlers. Animals have fucking handlers, right? It's so fucking, it, it's, it's demonic. To for, me, it's just fucking sure. demonic. It's just like, it's slavery. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's nothing but fucking slavery. And God, I can't even imagine having to fucking unpack the emotional baggage of these poor individuals, especially when they're grown from childhood and they're just molded that way. And maybe they don't understand, like, the fame ain't fucking worth it. You know, I, um, mm -hmm. you know, obviously as a kid, I always thought it would be cool to be some kind of Hollywood action star like Sylvester Stallone or Jason Statham or Arnold Schwarzenegger and or to, you know, be like a, a heavy metal star or something like that. You know, as kids, it's very easy to be impressed impressed by these things. But then as an adult, the more I learn about the, you know, pale white underbelly of all of this and the dark secrets and the abuse and the Satanism, it's just like, I'm so fucking thankful I never had some kind of entertainment talent and was recognized by some type of talent scout. And my parents were like, yeah, we know we'll, take our kid to Hollywood or the music industry. Like, I feel fucking bad for those kids. I look at it now, it's just like, that's fucking child abuse. Do you understand what you're signing your kid up for? Because if not, if not, your kid is going to get fucking horribly abused and you get put through a meat grinder. And now it's no wonder when you see a celebrity having a terrible meltdown like Britney Spears or you find out that Demi Lovato is mainlining heroin and she's got brain damage from the use and you know, you're seeing, or like Ellen Page is, you know, I'm, I'm a transgender man now. It's just like Hollywood or the music industry did that to them. Their minds broke. Their minds broke. Mm -hmm. And they're around all this evil energy and these evil people who only exist to use others and exploit others for their own ill-gotten gains. It's just, it, it's really ugly. You know, it's, it's a very ugly thing. And man, I just... Uh, but that that's all that's part of the reason at least for me you know my own my own stake in this renaissance of men and women is to do as best i can to mitigate and stop that i, I don't know that we could ever stop that completely uh, I, I don't think that's possible but we can certainly turn the paradigm around so much that that becomes you know that becomes something that's forced underground and, you know whether whether that happens in our lifetime or not doesn't really matter what matters is that we plant the seeds for that growth right now and so hopefully if it doesn't happen in our lifetime it'll happen in our children's lifetime or our grandchildren's lifetime and, you know it goes back to that old aphorism that talks about the man who plants the seeds for the tree that he'll never live to sit under but his children will that's what i'm hoping to do with this that's my stake in all of this Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's really it, isn't it? Isn't it just making sure that we leave this place better than what we received it as? Mm -hmm. yeah. So we've got some questions 
we got some questions from people, and so we'll get to those now. So the first question that we have is, um, it's Bushido or Shinobi? Um, I'll you can answer first, and then I'll I'll give my own spin on each question. Okay, cool. So I've only really done some minor reading. Um, but given my kendo background, I'll probably go with Bushido. But also, I like, I've always admired the samurai and their code of honor. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not going to do the whole honor suicide, seppuku, or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, you know, if I, if I make a mistake, I'll just learn from it. Um, but you know, it's like the Western's equivalent of chivalry, right? Um, it's just having honor in what you do and everything that you do do. Um, and I mean, shinobi ninjas are cool and all, but you know, they stab people in the back. Right. Figuratively and literally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, for myself, I definitely resonate with Bushido more. And, and, of course, I've read more about it. So, okay, so for those who don't know, Bushido is the philosophy by which the Japanese samurai lived by. It's their own code of honor. Like Yong said, it's their form of chivalry, which is the warrior's code. The samurai were an order of knights, for lack of a better word. They were the knight caste, the Japanese equivalent of knights. And I applied and still apply a lot of Bushido to my life. I especially applied it to my life when I was a soldier. And there, there's really great value in there, and it's not contingent upon being from Japanese culture, being of the Shinto religion. Anyone can apply those philosophies, and, and there's a lot of crossover philosophy found in other warrior cultures, Abrahamic faiths. You know, again, it's wrapped around the concept of honor. Um, like you, I don't agree with seppuku and honor, honorable suicide. I'm, I'm against suicide. Shinobi is, is cool, too. That's something I've recently found out more about, especially through Ivan Throne. Um, there's, it's one of those things for me that is valuable to understand and know about, and there's certain things about it that can be applied in my life because um, the way that Ivan Throne spins it in his own life is knowing how to operate in the dark world because the world is dark. You know, there's shadow the light that's there and we need to understand how to operate in the dark because the forces that are against us operate out of the shadows they are backstabbers as for me wanting to be a ninja ninjas are fucking cool their weapons are amazing but i'm i'm not a backstabber and real true ninja arts also deal with sorcery and i'm against sorcery so there's there's my answer Our next question, what are the biggest mistakes for young people attending university to avoid? I would say the biggest mistakes people make is just getting too caught up in what the next person is doing. Um, You know, you have especially now with all these social media pages and like the TikToks and whatever is out there, you know, 
it's very easy to forget what reality actually is. Um, and if you're in university, you should be there to learn how to become a critical thinker. Uh, yes, obviously you're learning for whatever your degree is going to be in or whatnot, but at the same time, you should be able to think and question things as well. Uh, the reason you're learning things in university is because somebody out there thought of th something differently and now it's in a textbook, right? So never be afraid to stray from the path because the path less taken sometimes is the right path. Absolutely. Um, for myself, like I said, I'm currently a senior at OSU and I, I'm not the typical college student. I was a soldier first, so I became a man through that route, whereas um, your average college student becomes a, a man or a woman through college. So I, I have it a lot easier just because of my resilience. I, I've literally been through harder things in an upcoming test. So my advice to any of you who are about to go to university or are in university Apply yourself, take it seriously, because someone's paying for you to go to college, whether whether you're on a scholarship, whether your parents are paying for it, whether you're like myself, you're a veteran and it's the GI Bill, or you're one of these people who is fucking hardcore grinding and you're working a full-time job and going to school. You know, like anything else in life, you're going to get out of this experience what you put into it. College has a lot of amazing opportunities. I'm very blessed to be at this university with the people that are around me, with my professors, with my classmates, even if sometimes we don't agree with each other and sometimes people don't like what I say or who I am. There's a lot of amazing opportunities here. I don't regret doing this. I also understand that university is not the end-all, be-all to have a career. If you come to the university and you discover that academia is not for you, and I mean you really understand that academia is not for you, you're not a failure for backing out. But make sure you have a contingency plan, such as going to a trade school or starting your own business. You know, don't don't drop out of school and then not know what the fuck to do. You know, uh, that's very foolish and that is stupid. But if college isn't for you, I want you to know that that's okay. If it is for you, Study, make getting that degree your priority. Strive to get that 4.0 GPA. I don't have a 4.0 GPA, but I'm passing. Take every opportunity that you can. Like Young said, critical thinking is absolutely fucking vital. There, there is a lot of liberal ideology in universities, and, and I'm talking of the radical flavor, even in a Mostly conservative campus, such as Oklahoma State University, that's that's still here. Is a lot of woke propaganda. Learn how to think for yourself. Don't let peer pressure get the best of you, especially for you. You know the average age college student, the you know kind of eighteen or seventeen to twenty year old crowd. I I know how hard peer pressure is, but I want you to understand that you don't have to go to that party if you don't want to. You don't have to drink that beer if you don't want to. You don't have to pop those pills if you don't want to. You don't have to snort that coke if you don't want to. You don't have to fuck that guy or that girl if you don't want to. All right? 
Strive to be better than your peers. Strive to be better than yourself. Become objectively valuable. Don't be afraid to speak out against the status quo. Because, again, people pay attention to what we say. And, you know, even if people aren't liking the cut of your jib, maybe they don't like what you're saying because it goes against the, the social fabric, there are other people out there that are going to resonate with what you're saying. And if you're speaking the truth, which is which is what I'm fucking applying here, by the way. I'm not saying be a be a rebel for the sake of being a rebel. I'm talking about being a champion of the truth, okay? If you're speaking the truth, there are people that are going to hear that. They're going to hear it through the grapevine, or they're going to hear it directly. They're going to see you embody it. And that's how you get the right people to gravitate towards you. You know, um, whether it's a friend, an ally, a potential employer, a potential girlfriend or boyfriend who could become your husband or wife. You know, look, um, now that's one thing that's really hard for people here is, is, is the fucking dating pool, right? There's so many different types of people. There's more hot women than I can shake a stick at, you know, and for you girls, there's more handsome guys than you can shake a stick at. So sometimes it's hard to figure out who you want to approach and, and get with. If you're aligned with the truth and you're aligned with who you really are and, and you're, you're in your masculine or feminine center appropriately, that's the best way to have the best possible partner partner gravitate towards you. You know, um, don't worry about peer pressure. And, and I know that's easier said than done. And for some of you that are listening that are in that age group, you're like me. You're going to have to fucking learn everything the hard way. It's just going to bounce off your head. Like my drill sergeant said, you're going to learn through repetition or trauma. So best of luck to you. And for those of you who are listening and you go to OSU, Hey, look, reach out to me, all right? Reach out to me. You can catch me at the Colvin. You can catch me in the in-room department, the Wallace Society. Or you can catch me in the entomology department. I'm here. I'm approachable. Just don't come at me with some bullshit or I'll swat you aside. But if you, but if what I'm saying resonates with you and, and you really want to have some real dialogue, yeah, I'll put my time aside for you. So our next question is, why aren't there more Asian men in the Renaissance of Men movement? That's a good question. I really don't know why there isn't. Um, I think because it's been so ingrained in our culture, in American culture, that, that is, that Asian men have always kind of been this effeminate or nerdy or whatever, like can't even bench press 135 type dudes or whatever. Um, I think that's a big cause for it. But at the same time, I think because of that, there's now a lot of MGTOW type Asian guys, um, the ones who now bench press 225 for reps, but have never read a book in their life, you know, um, and then, and, you know, they just, you know, bash women because they can't get a date because now they don't have a personality. All they know how to do is bench press. Um, and you know, that's not to bash on, people who can bench 225 for reps, but 
let's be a little more three-dimensional and you know i'm hoping with my message of asian man rising that we can get more asian men involved um mm. i know i know there's one other korean uh, who has kind of stepped into this sphere as well um yeah, yeah and so it's you know it's very heartening to see that i'm not the only one mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of getting people like us to reach out to each other and really just spread the message because this masculine revival thing is not just a black person or a black man or a white man thing. Mm -hmm. This is a every man thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, we rise together. Absolutely. Um, hell, I, I don't even need to add in my own piece. You answered that perfectly for both of us our next question <clears throat> how does one bridge the gap between over aggression and passivity hmm. people definitely tend to you know lean on one or the other um but I guess if you tend to lean on one more than the other, then your best step maybe, or your first step would be maybe trying to overcorrect it and try and lean towards the other end of that spectrum. Mm -hmm. But it's also a lot of self-reflection, right? It's figuring out what subconsciously is affecting you to be more aggressive or more passive. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's really the first step or the correct step. It'd be self-reflection, um, figure out why you're over aggressive or why you're so passive. Um, and I know a lot of people out there don't like to sit in an empty room with their own thoughts. And I think that's why, you know, alcoholism and drug use is so pandemic mm. because it's, we like to shut that voice inside our head sometimes. But I'm telling you, if you want to grow, you need to listen to that voice and you need to confront that voice. Absolutely. To add my own part on that. I know for me is choosing choosing which hill to die on is, is really important because I'm, I'm the type of man where when I look at the various wrongs in the world, I get fired up and I just want to swing at everything at once. Like I'll fucking go down hitting every fucking one of you. And even if I don't defeat you, I'm at least going to bust your nose open and give you a black eye. Like you're going to remember that I shook a blow on you, right? But at the end of the day, it's really important for us to understand which hills are really worth dying on and which ones aren't. Not every win is a real victory. There's this thing called a Pyrrhic victory, which is named after the Roman emperor Pyrrhus, where you win, but you win at a cost that's so great that it's done just as much damage as if you would have lost. So it's not really a victory because you, you've completely shattered yourself 
to win this fight. And so understand the limitations of your own energy because like time, it is finite. You know, you only have a certain reserve of energy and you have to recover. So, because that's where overaggression leads to. Overaggression leads to us spending ourselves, you know, kind of like you spread too little butter over too much toast. So understand which battles are worth fighting, which ones are really worth fighting, worth investing in, and which ones are worth letting go. And if you're letting your ego really steer you, that can be extremely difficult to do. And and again, this is coming from someone who understands this. It's something I've struggled with for a really long time. I, I still have to keep it in check. As far as passivity goes, passivity, I that seems to come from low energy levels and also low drive and low discipline. And there's there's much to be said about the pandemic. Again, there's a lot of pandemics out here. COVID is not one of them. But the other pandemic is the low testosterone and men due to the multiple endocrine disruptors in our in our world. If you're having issues with having an aggressive drive, meaning that you can up the energy to do the work that needs to be done to complete your task at work, to complete your task at school, to complete your personal task in life, showing up in your relationships the way that is demanded of you, go get your testosterone levels checked. Check your diet. Check your sleep. And I don't just mean how much sleep you're getting, the quality of your sleep. Make sure that you have your life in as much order as possible, that you, you are truly living your best life. You know, um, hell, there's still things I could do better with with some of my habits or just getting things in order. And I, I, that could probably be said for all of us. So make sure that you're going at a pace that you can sustain. I'll, you know, I'll tell you personally, I tend to sprint 100 miles an hour and then I, I get burnt out. And, and part of that is because of me being a soldier for eight years, which is living at a 100 miles an hour, mostly hopped to the gills on stimulants like nicotine and caffeine, but that's not sustainable, right? So also learning how to pace yourself, which for me is was just a consistent, a consistency of calibrating myself all the time and figuring out which pace works for me. I mean, and, and sometimes different situations require a different pace. Sometimes you can be passive with certain things like the concept of passive income or you know, passive cardio, like walking instead of sprinting. But other times you're going to have to kick it into that fucking extra gear and go. So figure out where you need to be sprinting and figure out where you need to be walking. But no matter what, no matter whether or not you're sprinting or you're walking, keep moving forward and stay active. Our next question is, got any advice for young teenagers? For young teenagers, um, I feel like I was a teenager forever ago, even though I'm only 28. Um, but I guess it kind of goes back to the college kid question too, right? Um, it's just don't be so caught up in what society tells you to do. Like this TikTok thing, Instagram thing, it's, it's not real. 
go outside, especially if you're a young teenager, you're still in middle school or maybe in high school, go outside, like obviously, you know, get your studies in order, do your homework, pass your tests, but also, you know, enjoy what you have around you, uh, whether that be your friends, uh, respect your parents because, you know, they are going to get old and you don't want to regret being little assholes to your parents. Um, you know, it's definitely something you want to come to a realization sooner than later. Yes, absolutely. For myself, um, a lot of my answer is also the same answer from the previous question about mistakes for young people to avoid who are attending university. Because you are, you are within the same age gap, the teenage years, you've hit puberty, you're, you're getting your feet wet into what it means to really be an adult. Even though you may not be a legal adult yet, maybe you know, you're 15, 16 years old, in a lot of ways you are adults. A lot of, a lot of teenagers even though they're legally minors, they're already indulging in adult activities, drinking, drug use, sex. You know, you're 16, you might not be a legal adult, but you can legally drive, have a driver's license, you can work a job. So you can do certain, you have access to certain adult privileges, and if you break the law, you're also subject to adult consequences. So I want you all to understand that as hard as peer pressure is, I'm reinforcing what I said earlier, at the end of the day, you're your own person. You're at an age where you can no longer get away with not knowing the difference between right and wrong. You must learn the objective difference between right and wrong, and you need to strive to the best of your ability to live accordingly to that. You, I cannot, I cannot stress enough how important it is for you to strive to do the right thing because if you do if you can trust what yang and i are saying here about striving towards doing the right thing and being aligned with the truth critical thinking avoiding the traps that all the you know the so-called cool kids are doing the main you know majority are doing you can save yourself from a lot of unnecessary trauma and you can learn from people's mistakes and these Common sense decisions, they compound over time. They're small victories. And maybe sometimes they don't feel like victories. Because you get sneered at by the so-called cool kids or you get sneered at by the crowd. But these victories, they compound themselves. And they set you up for success. And there is nothing wrong with being an early success. In fact, I absolutely absolutely champion that be a success and as early of an age as possible get ahead of your peers because i don't give a fuck what the participation trophy crowd likes to say the hierarchy of winners and losers is not going away it's not going away it's here right fucking now get ahead of your peers and i don't mean through underhanded tactics backstabbing lying manipulating gaslighting all that bullshit i mean through Hard work, sincerity, and being aligned with the truth and making smart decisions. Now, I'm saying this to the crowd who is, you know, 19 and younger. And I know, especially from being having been a teenager and having been a very fucking stubborn teenager who always thought I knew better, that 
Specifically speaking, some of you are going to listen to this, and it's going to bounce off your fucking forehead. It's going to go one or not the other. And you're going to be saying, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me. I don't need your advice, old man. And you're going to learn the hard way, and you're going to get your dick knocked in the dirt, and you might even get fucking broken. So if that's you, you got a fucking hard life ahead of you. I wish you good luck. I hope that you can come back from rock bottom like we did, and I'll meet you at the top if you make it there. For those of you who this advice lands for, I hope that it plants the seed of growth in you, that you succeed, that you take what is useful to you, and it enriches your life, and whatever we've told you that's not useful to you, you can just discard and keep moving along. I want to see all of you win. I really want to see you all win, all right? So this advice that's coming from us, it's advice that we've tested that we know to be true. And um, to backpack off what he said about parents, um, again, I, I grew up with a father who at that time had failed me very hard. And I understand, again, we, we don't get to choose who our parents are. And our parents are human. You know, they're not infallible. They're not God. They're not Jesus. They have their flaws like we have our flaws. We're not perfect. That's, that's just how we're designed because it's a process of growing and learning and, you know, learning from our mistakes. Your parents are loving you to the best capacity that they understand how to love someone because of the way that they were loved growing up. And it was hard for me to love my father, especially. Especially as a teenager. I, I didn't hate him, but I did despise him. I despised him for his weakness. I despised him for not being there when I needed it. I, I don't do this anymore because, again, he, you know, he got himself together. He's on the path. And so I, I love him. And I respect him. I admire him. But there was a time when I was a teenager where I was not fond of him at all. You know, I, I didn't have any contact with him. I, I wrote him off. But at the end of the day, he gave me the gift of life. He and my mom brought me into this world. Your parents brought you into this world. And whether you fucking like it or not, you're here. And if you don't like the way the world's going, then get your shit together so that you can fucking change the world and shape it into your own image, even if it's just a part of your world. But it is, it is important that you forgive your parents that you acknowledge them as a whole, not just as a part. You need to honor them for the good things that they do. Even if the only fucking good thing they've ever done is brought you into this world, they gave you life. They could have aborted you. They didn't. They didn't abort you. You're here. You're breathing. You have the chance to love and be loved, you have the chance to create something incredible that is yours. And you can thank your parents for that. Alright? So forgive your parents. No matter how fucking hard it is, forgive them. And, you know, if you're in pain because your parents did something to you terrible, channel that pain not into something destructive like drugs and casual sex and porn addiction and partying your ass off and all this other distracting bullshit, which is never going to fulfill you, channel it into something 
creative. Make something beautiful out of it. Make something beautiful out of yourself. Okay? So our next question is, some Asian communities are matriarchal. How does a man deal with that? Hmm. I'm not really aware of any matriarchal Asian cultures. Uh, but, I mean, I was also raised in a matriarchal house, uh, uh, being that, you know, it was my mom and my grandmother. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, it what a man needs to do doesn't necessarily change because of that. Um, because I think even if you look at some matriarchies, right, the men were still warriors. Men still worked fields, um, or whatever the case might be. So it's understanding what those masculine traits are and bettering, bettering yourself to fit into that image. Um, and I think regardless of whether it's a patriarchy or a matriarchy, uh, the end goal is the same, right? It's creating or fitting into your role as a man and progressing forward through that. Mm. And I think, I mean, even if there is a matriarchal culture out there, uh, I feel like the vast majority is a patriarchy. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, really just conduct yourself as such. Right. Yeah, I, I don't really have a, an appropriate answer for that because, again, I'm, I'm not of Asian background and I live in Asian community. It's not really something I understand. So our next question, what is your five-year plan? Uh, my five-year plan, um, mostly it's buy property and start homesteading. Uh, hop on that KJ. KJ train mm -hmm. um, but other than that I mean honestly uh, is maybe even have kids uh, sometime in those five years as well mm -hmm. um, yeah I mean I guess that's a pretty simple but pretty big plan <laughs> for the next five years Absolutely, man. That's a great plan. As for myself, graduate college, get my degrees, move to where I want to purchase some land and, like you, start my own homestead, get married, have kids, become harder to kill, 600-pound deadlift. 600 pounds. 600 pounds, man. I'm, I'm gunning for it. It's going to happen. So I'm 200 pounds away. So. <laughs> yeah. Hundred pounds away from it, so um, I really appreciate you giving me your time. 
I really appreciate this conversation and I really appreciate the value that you're putting out there for not just Asian men, but men and women in general. I really look forward to seeing you grow as a man. I really look forward to seeing your message grow and reach out to so many people who can benefit from your message and from what you embody. Yeah. And I, uh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I know we, uh, we're both popping cherries here. Uh, I'm your first guest and this is my very first podcast I'm ever even a part of. Um, so thank you for that great honor. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited to see where this is all going to head towards uh, because I really want to know how far up we can actually really rise to. The honor is all mine and, and we're going to find out for sure. So where can people find you? Uh, really, uh, I guess the professional page would be at Asian Man Rising, uh, no spaces, no special characters, all just one word on Instagram. Um, feel free to reach out, DM me. Uh, I will do my best to get back to everybody. Um, I do have a life, so you know, obviously, my life will take priority. But at the same time, I. I did create the page for a very specific purpose. So I will do my best to make sure I meet that purpose. Awesome. Awesome. Right. So everyone is listening, go on Instagram, give him a follow, you know, reach out to him. If you got any questions, support him, support his content, support his mission. And I want to thank you all for listening. And if this message has been of, any value to you, please feel free to share it to anyone you think can benefit from it. If I've said anything in this episode that has offended you, made you feel negative, that's entirely my fault. And if I've said anything that has brought you any value or benefit, then the glory goes to God. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again. Thank you.